Today I want to turn to Ephesians chapter 1, verses 7 through 9. Ephesians chapter 1, verses 7 through 9. I want to talk about experiencing true freedom. Well, recently I was talking with someone who had uh, tragically lost a family member. And that person shared with me some of the challenges, some of the struggles that they were facing because, uh, well, I think we could all imagine when you lose somebody in your family, all the things that, that go along with that. But besides the obvious loss that they felt, one of the things that they shared with me that was most difficult was not knowing. Since they had lost their loved one so quickly, and in this case so unexpectedly, there were some conversations that had never happened between them. There were some bills that were owed, or there were some responsibilities that were outstanding, but there were even some assets, or there were some money that they had available to them, such as uh, personal insurance policies or company benefits or things like that, that that they just weren't aware of. And the struggle was for this person to try to take care of any of those bills that were due, but also for them to uncover any monies that were rightfully theirs to have and to use to take care of those bills. Is it possible that someone who lost a family member could struggle financially to pay their bills? when all along there was an insurance policy with hundreds of thousands of dollars that was theirs to use if they only knew that it was available to them. Wouldn't that be a terrible thing to happen? Wouldn't it be terrible for somebody to struggle and to to worry and to fret when all along they had everything they needed? But did you know that's how many of us are living our lives today? We are struggling through life trying to make it with our own resources when God has provided so much for us if we only knew it. And if we knew it and were willing to receive it. Well, I want you to turn with me to Ephesians 1 verses 7 through 9 today and we're doing this study in the book of Ephesians. I've shared with you the study is knowing what you have and using it. And starting in verse 3, we've seen in chapter 1 that God has provided us with every spiritual blessing. In other words, we have everything we need to live our lives. But unfortunately, we don't always understand what it is that God has blessed us with. So that's why we're studying Ephesians chapter 1. Last time we learned that we've always been on God's mind. From from before the world began, God had a plan for us and He had a place for us and that gives us great strength. To know that I'm that important to God that beforehand He set His sights on me, He had a plan for my life, helps me to live my life. But this time, we want to look more at the present. We want to see some of the things that God offers to us right now. And I believe the primary focus of these verses that we're going to look at today relates to freedom. Like the person that doesn't know about that insurance policy, God doesn't want us bound or tied down as we live our lives. But He wants us to know the resources, or uh, to put it in the terms that Ephesians says, the riches that He has provided for us so that we can experience true freedom in our lives today. Jesus said in John chapter 8, Verses 31 through 32, If you continue in my word, then you are truly disciples of mine, and you will know the truth, and the truth will make you free. That's what we want today, isn't it? We want freedom to live our lives, and that's what God offers us as we look at Ephesians chapter 1, verses 7 through 9. Let me read those verses. First of all, it says, In him, now remember, 
We're jumping in the middle of a sentence. Don't forget that Paul is writing a run-on sentence here. Remember? He just kind of got excited and happy and said, I just want to tell you everything that God's done for us. And he didn't take a breath for, for quite a few verses. Well, we, we have to take a breath. <laughs> we have to stop week by week and pick up next time. So we're going to jump right in the middle of a breath here in verse 7. He says, In Him, in whom, in Christ, we have redemption through His blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses, according to the riches of His grace, which He lavished on us. In all wisdom and insight, He made known to us the mystery of His will, according to His kind intention, which He purposed in Him. The first thing we want to see in these verses today, as we consider experiencing true freedom in our lives, is that first of all, Jesus can rescue us. It says in verse 7 that Jesus can rescue us. It says, in Him we have redemption through His blood. Now, the first part of verse 7 tells us that we have or we hold in our possession something. It is ours. It is ours to experience right now in the present. What does he say that is? We have right now, we possess, if we have put our faith and trust in Jesus Christ, we have redemption through the blood of Jesus Christ. Now, let's talk about the idea of redemption. When we think about uh, redeeming something today, what do we think about? Well, we might think of coupons, mightn't we? We might think about taking a coupon to the store, and that coupon has a value, and you take it back to the store to redeem the coupon, to claim the value that that coupon has towards the purchase or the cost of a product. Or does any of y'all remember that old store that you got the green stamps? And when you made the purchases, they gave you the little, the little coupons and you kept your coupon book and you kept up with you know, this certain product and if you, you kept enough coupons and you could turn in those coupons and you could redeem the stamps in your booklet for some product or item that you want. Now, we don't think about it that way, but it's kind of like what uh, some people do with their credit cards. If you use a credit card to pay for business or company expenses or, or those kind of things, sometimes they will give you points that you can uh, redeem. Now, be careful about all that, and we can talk about that another time. Sometimes that's just a scam. But anyway, they have points that you can redeem, and you can get products for making those purchases. Well, in Bible times, redemption related to something much more serious than points or a product. At first, the term was related to warfare. When one side would be victorious over another side, they would take prisoners of war. And the prisoners of war would be made slaves to the victors. And they would remain slaves as long as the victor wanted them to unless a ransom was paid by someone to deliver them. Over time, that idea extended to everyone who was a slave. During the New Testament times, some people estimate that there were as many as 6 million slaves in the Roman Empire. And buying and selling those slaves was an important part of their commerce. People began to be seen as just products that were sold, products and services that were sold as a piece of property. But if you love that person, if you love that slave, you could purchase them for a price, right? Everything has a price, right? Somebody says, hey, we want to add on to our house. Can we do this? Well, you can do anything if you pay for it, right? Well, you could set that slave free if you were willing to pay the price. That was called redemption. If you want to look at a great example of it that also relates to marriage, you can look later at Hosea chapter 3, verses 1 through 2. You can see a husband who purchased his wife out of slavery. 
but redemption meant the, meant the release of a slave on the payment of a price for them. And the Bible says the cost to free us from slavery, here in this verse, was His blood. The cost for us to be rescued was the death, was the blood of Jesus Christ. You see, the Bible teaches that we are slaves to sin. We are born into this world serving sin. Now, sometimes we don't understand. We're going to talk about it here more in just a minute. Sin is basically anything other than what God wants for our lives. And that makes it sound uh, kind of light, but that's a serious thing. Sin enslaves us. It ensnares us. And the Bible says the wages are what the product of sin. What comes out of sin is death and destruction and separation. So it's a serious thing. The Bible says we are servants to that when we come into this world. We are bound to that. We are not bound to God and to His ways. And the only way for us to be freed up was for Jesus Christ to pay a price. And in this case, the asking price was the ultimate. It was going to cost Him His precious life. Now, I want you to think about it for a moment. How would it feel today if we walked out of these services, we walked out the door, and somebody grabbed you? Somebody kidnapped you? They took you, they blindfolded you, they took you to some faraway place that you had no clue where you were, and they told you, you are mine. You don't know where you are, you don't know how to get back, and, and, and I'm holding you under force, under my authority, and you'll do whatever I want for as long as I want. And what if that person kept you for years as their slave to do whatever they wanted you to do? Well, it's hard for us to imagine that, isn't it? We live in a country where that's just almost strange. I mean, we just see it on the news. We see, you know, people who get kidnapped and things like that, and, and maybe we ought to take it a little more seriously. And our day-to-day is getting more and more common for terrible things like this to happen in the United States. So we don't need to be naive, but what if we lived in a country where that was a very real, real reality, a very real possibility? How would it feel if you had been a slave to someone for years and someone mounted a rescue attempt for your life. What if, as soon as we found out that your life was taken away, what if we began training? What if we began equipping? What if we began investigating? What if we began doing everything we could because it broke our hearts? We could not imagine life without your life around anymore. That our church family just turned our focus and our attention on while we continue to do everything else that we were going to do, that God, we want to help bring that person back to us and to rescue them. How about if people gave money? How about if people made plans? How about if people risked their life? What if... On the way to rescuing you, some of us in this room lost our life to rescue you. Would that not be powerful? To rescue me, you gave your life. The ransom that was paid, the payment that was paid was somebody else to lose their life. Christian, do you remember what it was like? You see, my concern for myself and sometimes us as Christians is, we got, we've gotten too far away from slavery. We forgot what it was like to live without Christ. Listen, what a blessing if you came to know Christ when you were six years of age. Many of us have come to Christ later in life. Maybe you have a fresher understanding than those who have come to know Christ earlier in life. But if you came to know the Lord earlier in life, there's a challenge for you. You might forget over time what life used to be like without Christ. But the Bible says that we were lost. We were enslaved. 
We didn't know which way to turn. We didn't have the ability to break out of bondage on our own. And do you remember that feeling? Listen, friend, if you're a Christian here today, do you remember the feeling when God burst open the doors of your life? When He spoke to your heart? When He showed you you've been lost, you've been in a mess, and I have come to rescue you. That was true freedom, wasn't it? Do you remember that? That's why many people say, I wish I could get back to that first love. I wish I could get back to that, that, the way I felt when I first was saved because it's, sometimes it's difficult. I was just uh, officiating a wedding. And we say vows in those weddings, don't we? And every time I repeat those vows with somebody else, I go back to mine. <laughs> I say, oh, by the way, Robbie, you said these. You said these one time. And it reminds me to keep my relationship with my wife fresh. I said some words way back when There might have been a lot of emotion back then, but they still stand today. Christian today, God rescued you. He mounted an operation and He paid the ultimate price for you. He gave the precious life of His Son, Jesus Christ. Have you gotten over that? God paid the ransom for you. If you're not a Christian today, God is wanting you to experience that freedom. Listen, you might be here today, you've never accepted Christ, and like a person who's been abused all their life, you may have come to believe that this life of abuse is normal, that this must be accepted, that you've come to accept that bondage is where you're supposed to live. I remember a girl in my youth group when I was a youth pastor, and I remember she always had this uh, sour face on her, on, her, on her mouth and on her face. She's a beautiful young lady, but she always just kind of, you know, no good, very bad day. And she came to receive Jesus Christ as her Savior, and her face lit up. And I said, Jill, I said, wow, you just always have such a smile on your face. I said, I said well, what happened? She said, you know what, Robbie? She said, I didn't realize that Jesus could rescue me. I didn't realize He could do that. And so life was rotten. I mean, as a 15-year-old girl, she'd always already come to a point in her life where she thought life was really not worth living. Life was rotten. I had nothing to smile about. But she says, now I know. Now I know that Jesus has rescued me. He has delivered me, and I'm happy about that. He's changed the complexion of our face. We're trying to understand what God has done for us in these verses. Did you know that God wants to rescue you? But number two... He wants to release us. In number uh, in verse 7, it says, In Him we have redemption or rescue through His blood, the price that He paid. But then He says, The forgiveness of our trespasses. Now, the first part of verse 7 talks about us not having freedom in terms of being held hostage. The second part, though, talks about it in terms of being tied down or held back. But Paul tells us, that Jesus gives us freedom by giving us the forgiveness of our trespasses. Now, I really wish that this were translated something like this, the forgiveness of our slip-ups, the forgiveness of our detours, the forgiveness of our stumbles or our mistakes. And somebody says, oh, no, you're trying to water down what sin is. It's not just a slip-up. You know what? The word that's used here for trespasses actually is better rendered slip-ups or minor detour, or a stumble, or a mistake, or a failure. That's the sense of the word. Many of your translations say trespasses or sins, which is correct, but those words give a better idea, and I think that's important. Here's why. Many times when we think of sin, we think of what? Murder, adultery, lying, whatever it is. But do you know what a good definition of sin is? Sin is doing what I want to do, 
instead of what God wants to do. That's what sin is. It's, it's doing what I want to do instead of what God wants to do. That could be murder. That could be adultery. That could be lying. But it could be a lot of other things that we don't consider that serious. A good verse that helps us see this is Romans 3, verse 23. It says, For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Now, what's the picture there? If I could paraphrase that, we could say this. God has a way that He would do things, and none of us have gotten that just right. Right? That makes us all sinners, doesn't it? I mean, you might have lied, you might have committed adultery, you might have murdered somebody, so certainly you've missed the mark. That was not God's plan. But all of us, no matter how close we might get to the mark or how far away we might get to the mark, the Bible says all of us have missed the mark and have fallen short of the glory of God, of God's plan and purpose. We're all sinners. We've all deviated from the right path and missed the target. Would we not all admit that? And the Bible over and over again either comes out and tells us or it shows us by example through the lives of other, others that sin causes problems. That's an understatement, isn't it? The Bible says that sin brings death. When, now listen, friend, and catch this. Don't leave all these terms in church, okay? Sin and, and eternal life and all this, and they just become abstract terms. What God's saying is when we miss what He intended in life, that brings problems, doesn't it? It brings hurt. It brings destruction. It hinders our relationships. It even, we could say more seriously, it separates us, doesn't it? When we do what we want to do instead of what God wants to do, that brings separation. If I don't treat my wife like God's Word says, a husband ought to treat his wife, that's going to build walls between us, isn't it? If I don't talk to you as a brother or sister in Christ or as a, 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 another human being in the, in the right kind of way, if I don't treat you in the kind of way that God says I ought to treat you, if I don't deal with you and if we're having a financial decision to make between, if I'm purchasing, if I don't do whatever you want to say, whatever it is, the way I talk, the way I act, the way I think, if I don't do that God's way, that builds walls. It builds separation. It hinders those relationships between God in between one another. But that's where this verse comes in. God, listen friend, God is willing to release us from that. That is what the word here, forgive, means. It means, some of us need to hear this, to let it go. It means, and that almost sounds passive, it could even be put in the sense of to send it away. (laughs) Let it go sounds like, okay, I'll just let it drift off. Send away is almost even more active, isn't it? The picture here is like the scapegoat in the Old Testament. Have you ever heard of that? The scapegoat in the Old Testament, on the Jewish Day of Atonement, two lambs would be used. One of those lambs would be slain and have its blood sprinkled on the mercy seat. The other would have sins, the sins of the people, confessed over that lamb, basically placed symbolically upon that lamb, and that lamb would be sent out into the wilderness. You've ever been treated as a scapegoat? That means somebody else puts their problem on you (laughs) and sends you away with it, right? You made me the scapegoat. You made me the one with the problem. You, You put the blame on me. That's exactly the picture. God put the blame of the people and their sins on a scapegoat and sent that lamb away. Both of those pictures picture what we're talking about here, about Jesus' work. He was willing to rescue us by paying a price as that first lamb by dying 
and purchasing us with his own blood, that ransom amount. And he was willing to be rejected and sent out to carry our sins away forever. The Bible is telling us that is what God is willing to do with your trespasses, with my trespasses, with my mess-ups. God, listen. Listen to me, friend, please. So many people today are walking around with guilt. So many people today will not allow their sins to be dealt with even by God. So many of us today do not believe that even God could forgive us. You know what the Bible says? God is not wanting to hold on to your mess-ups. In fact, He's wanting you to allow Him to let them go. He wants to place your sins on someone else and send them away. That is what Jesus is willing to do for you. He wants to release you, to cancel your debt. God just wants to let it go. Now, what if you owed somebody $500 today and they called you up and said, we're just going to call it even? (laughs) Okay. How How many seconds would you have to pray about it? The Bible says, as far as the east is from the west. Totally opposite, right? Can't get there from here. As far as the east is from the west, Psalm 103 verse 12 says, that's how far he wants to remove your sins from you. The reality is, if we today were to put on the screen what all has been done, by the people in this room, we'd call the police, wouldn't we? I'm not joking. I know y'all, <laughs> and I know me. I don't know all of y'all, and I probably don't know all of me. Just as I was visiting home this week, I thought about some things that I did when I was a teenager, and I said, Lord, please forgive me for that. You know what I'm thankful for? As far as the east is from the west... I'm so far away from that. I'm light years away from that. God has removed my sins from me. You may say, I find that hard to believe. I can't forgive myself. I can't see how anybody else, even God, would be willing to. Why would He let my sins go? You know what it says? <laughs> Paul, he's just, I mean, he's just having a praise song here and he just can't stop. The music just keeps playing. He keeps flowing. With, he starts talking about something and then he adds a little bit of uh, illustration to it to sort of uh, help us understand it a little better. He says, in whom we have redemption. We've got that release. We've got the forgiveness or the rescue. We've got the forgiveness, that release of our trespasses. And that release is in according, according to the riches of His grace which He lavished on us. It's in proportion to His grace. His, his release corresponds to the riches of His grace. In other words, what else would you expect from a God who gives unmerited favor to people? <laughs> right? And if that's not enough, Paul tells us, I mean, grace, enough, grace would be enough, wouldn't it? If he just said God gives us grace, then he says the riches of His grace, which He lavishes on us. For those of you that are here this morning that think, oh no, not me. For those of you here this morning that think God maybe was like your parents who maybe they give you a little bit of blessing and they pull the rest of it away. God holds nothing back. He pours out is the way that could be rendered. 
He, the, the word is the word perisuo, which means spilling over. It's like, a, it's like a fountain that's just spewing. That's what God, that's, God's grace is in that fountain, and it's just spewing over in abundance. It is overflowing towards us. This is very extravagant language. God spared no expense. He wants to completely release us. Can you believe that anyone, but especially that God, friend, it breaks my heart that some of you can't, but would you by faith today begin to believe that God could be extravagant with you? Some of us here today can't accept a nice present from other people. We don't think we're deserving of that. We don't think we're worthy of that. How about if God was extravagant with you? Some of us today can't believe that. And that's a good way to put it because it means we're not trusting that God can be extravagant with us. Would you believe that today? That God is wanting you to be released and for you to experience His freedom. Like a motorboat that's trying to leave the dock but is still hitched, we can't move forward and explore all that God wants for us out there on that great big lake because we're still stuck and tied to the dock of our sins. And God's wanting to come along and just untie that and say, go. I want you to experience that freedom. Have you allowed God to release you from your sins? Have you received Christ as your personal Savior? Have you invited Him to come into your life and to, and to release you, to forgive you, to cancel your debt? You know what's sad is many Christians have prayed a prayer, have said they trusted in Christ, and, and maybe they did, but the practical living out of their life, they're still trying to hold on to the dock. <laughs> God's untied, and they keep running back over and tying it back. Number three, though, Jesus can reveal to us. Let's look at verses 8 and 9. Jesus rescues us, He releases us, but He can reveal to us. In verse 8 it says, In all wisdom and insight He made known to us the mystery of His will, according to His kind intention which He purposed in Him. Now at first glance you might be tempted to say, what does verses 8 and 9 have to do with freedom? Well, don't forget what's happening here. It's like Paul contacted us and told us that we had a relative that had passed away and had left some things for us that we didn't know about. So you can almost picture him taking us to the house and going through the rooms and saying, oh yeah, that's yours. Oh yeah, that's yours. Oh, that one's yours too. And right now we're in the freedom room. And we're looking at all the furniture in the freedom room. And Paul says, one other thing I need to show you in this room God frees you up because He shows you things. He reveals things to you. Now I need to tell you, I hesitate to use the word reveal or the term revelation very much. Let me tell you why. Let me do a little teaching here. Many TV preachers and cults have abused or misused the term revelation. There's a sense in which the word revelation has a technical sense about it. And it should only be used referring to Scripture. And in that sense, we should not expect it to happen anymore. For instance, the TV preacher says, I got a revelation. I.e., you better do what I say. Right? God spoke to me. When God speaks, we listen, right? Colts say they got a revelation. So what do they do? Write another book. Even if it contradicts the Bible. I got a revelation. I got a new word from God. Now, I don't want to play semantics, but I just want to kind of help you in understanding this. What I would rather talk about is illumination. Illumination. 
I don't get new revelation. Listen, we don't need anything new. God makes clear to us what He's already revealed. God has fully revealed Himself to us through His Son, Jesus Christ. That's what the Bible tells us. There's nothing else that needs to be revealed to us. We just need to pay more attention to what's already been revealed or get a little more clear about it. I need to be illumined about it, but I don't need any new revelation. But we do need to understand the idea of revelation. Through His Holy Word, through the apostles, through the prophets, God has revealed Himself to us. God has made Himself, praise God, made Himself known to us. The Bible says we would have never found God. We'd have never figured out His way of doing things. You know what? You don't believe it? Look at religion. Religion says we get to God by what we do. God's way is we get to God by what He does. See, we mix it up. We'd have never known that unless God came to us. God has unveiled. He's he's pulled away the curtain. We didn't understand, so He's shown us some things about Himself and about us and about truth. That's how we can know truth. He has revealed Himself to us. Paul says here, in all wisdom and in insight, and again, you just see the language throughout here is just pouring over. It's like Paul is just like, he gives you the, the, the bones and then he adds meat to it. He just kind of puts more dressing. He puts more accent or accessories around it. In all wisdom and insight, God has made known to us the mystery of His will. Now, let's break that down a little bit. It's a mouthful. The Bible says God has done something for us. He's revealed or made Himself known to us through His Word. He's made the mystery of His will. Now, that's not some twilight zone kind of thing. The mystery, the mystery is that there's been something that's always been there We just didn't see it. We're always discovering things, aren't we? You know why? Because they were always there. We just didn't know they were there. God helps us to see things that we couldn't see without His help. He's always been working, but we didn't have the ability to see it on our own. Now in Christ, through His Word, He's given us the opportunity to not be in the dark. Now here's the freedom part. We don't have to live in the dark but we can participate in the plan and the purpose of God. Isn't that exciting? What if God had just told you how to be saved and you got saved? And then, oh well, I'll just camp out until I go to heaven. But there's more, isn't there? There's how to walk through life, how to live your life, how to make decisions, how to be a, a good husband, how to be a good person, how to, uh, how to be a good faithful servant of the Lord. The Bible says He did that in all. He didn't just give you a pinch. In all wisdom and all insight. Now, wisdom refers to head knowledge or bigger picture concepts. And insight refers to practical daily living. Understanding about regular, ordinary life. What is the God telling us? He has held nothing back from us. We have the ability in Christ to have some understanding of the big picture of what God's doing in this world and to have the ability to walk through everyday life and to live it in a godly way. Isn't that free? Isn't that exciting? Have you ever thought on a smaller scale, I wish I could know God's purpose for my life. I wish I could know what God wants me to do with my life. What about the bigger picture? You say, you know what? People are always talking about Israel and the Middle East and talk about Jesus coming back one day. Have you ever thought, I wish I could understand better what all that's about and what this world's coming to? I wish I could understand better what God's doing in this world. 
we'll never have all the answers. And I think partially that's because God wants a relationship with us. If He gave us all the answers, we'd say, thanks, Lord, talk to you in eternity, right? We don't have all the answers, but we have enough to know and to do the will of God on this earth. God has revealed enough about Himself to us that we can live our lives living out His bigger purpose and living out my little bitty part of that bigger purpose. Amen? That sets me free. It has always blown me away that God speaks to us. Would you just let that blow you away this morning? God speaks to us. He reveals Himself to us. My goodness, why on earth does He even care what I have to think about anything? Or what role I play? Why is He showing me anything? I mean, when I first started out as an associate pastor and I was a youth pastor in this church and our pastor sat down with me and a couple other guys and we were all young guys in ministry and he sat down and he said, hey, I got something I'm dealing with, something I'm working on, just want to run this by you guys. And I'm thinking, why? Why do you want to talk to me about this? You've been in ministry for 20 years. I don't know anything. I have nothing to share, to contribute. I didn't say that. (laughs) But I thought it. God is even, why does he include me? Why would he even bother to say, oh, by the way, Robbie, here's what I'm up to. Does that not set you free? Does that not excite you today? I don't go aimlessly walking, blindly walking through life. I have some sense of what God is doing in this world because of his word that he has wonderfully revealed to me in all wisdom and insight. He just poured that out. Why did he do it? Why did he do it? According to his kind intention, which he purposed in him in Christ. Listen, I know sometimes churches emphasize love and God's love so much that they never talk about sin. They never talk about the seriousness of the things that we need to deal with. But you know what? Some churches emphasize the sin so much that they never emphasize the great heart of God. He lavishes on us. and He makes known things to us because of His good intention, which He purposed in Christ. He had good plans for you, friend. That's why the gospel is good news, isn't it? There's some bad news that goes with it. We're sinners and we need a Savior. But the good news is that Savior has come. Are you beginning to fall in love with the Lord this morning? Are you beginning to just praise Him that you can be set free? Some of you here this morning are still hitched to the past, aren't you? And God is wanting to release you. He's wanting to set you free. Now there are consequences. There are things that we have to deal with in this world. It's just part of the decisions we make. It's part of the things that go on in this world that other people, decisions they've made, But God wants to free you. God wants to release you. God wants to rescue you this morning. And God wants to show you some things that maybe you never understood today. He wants you to experience true freedom. Let's pray together. Dear Jesus, I thank you for the treasures that we found today. And I pray today, Lord, that anything that you've uncovered, any curtain that you've pulled back in somebody's life, that they not take that lightly. God, we can't see the blessings of God unless God shows them to us. Help us not to take that for granted today, Lord. If you've spoken to somebody's heart, I pray that they would realize the blessing that you've shown them that today. They'd not spurn it, but they would respond to it. Jesus, if there's somebody here that's never received your love, I pray that they've been overwhelmed by how you pour out blessings and love and forgiveness and rescue, God. You are a passionate God. 
our knight in shining armor who rides in and grabs us and sweeps us away. That is you, God. Help us to experience. Help us to receive the true freedom that you've promised today. I pray that somebody here today will just call upon your name and say, Dear God, I know that I've messed up. Maybe even, God, I've more than messed up. I've, I've rebelled. But Lord, I know that my sins, no matter what they are, have separated me from you. And I need you to rescue me, God. I need you to release me. And God, I need you to reveal things to me and show me things that I don't know. I need you to be my Savior. Friend, your life could change forever right now. You could experience true freedom beginning this day. Lord, I pray for somebody here today that maybe said a prayer a little while back, but they didn't realize what it means to trust you, to place their life in your hands, and today you've shown that to them, and that today they would receive you as their Savior, not based on some formula or saying the right words, but because the desire of their heart is to put their life in your hands and to receive you as their Savior. Lord, I pray for those of us who do know Christ today. Lord, you're wanting to do things in our lives that we're not allowing you to do. We're not being set free to be all that you want us to be because something is holding us back. Speak to that person today, God, that is being held back, that's being held captive, that's walking around in the dark needlessly. And right now in these moments, change our lives, God, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. In just a moment, I'm going to invite you to stand together with me. If God has spoken to your heart, I talked about God showing us things. Maybe God has just pulled back the curtain today and He's shown you something that you were not aware of. You did not realize. God, I didn't know I had that attitude. God, I didn't know you wanted to work on that. Lord, I didn't know I was going the wrong direction. Would you not take that lightly? If God has shown himself to you today through his word, would you respond to him right now? Whatever it is, whatever decision you need to make, 